Salty Thoughts with Tamal Dodge. Togo is one of the best yoga teachers in Los Angeles. She is a veteran instructor who shares her talents and knowledge with her students, friends, and anyone with an open mind. We are thrilled to have you here, Mia. Oh, I'm excited to be part of this. Thank you. <laughs> so let's start from the beginning, uh, where life began for you, your childhood, growing up, some of your backstory. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so much to start with. Um, my backstory is you know, I, I grew up in California. My yeah. dad was from Hawaii. We share that. <laughs> um, and I grew up in California, and it was, you know, an amazing place to um, to go. That's my two dogs. I grew up in, <laughs> and just be part of this landscape. But I think one of the most uh, important things that stood out for me was my love for animals, um, like my first cat, my first dogs. And then I got a horse when I was nine. Mm -hmm. And it was really one of the, the most pivotal points in my life where I really got to understand like steep empathy and connection. Um, I just always felt as a kid different, um, being half Japanese and half Caucasian. And that doesn't seem like a big deal now, but when I grew up in Orange County, which is not that yeah. far from here, and it was very Caucasian, it was the 60s, um, mid 60s. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really did feel this sense of being different and, and it made me feel isolated. Uh, and so my relationship with animals was a thing that made me feel loved and seen and heard. Mm. Um, and also having a mother that was 12 years older than my father. So I feel like I, I always like to tease at the time, I'm going to tease my mom that she was the original cougar. The original, <laughs> it happened way back then, the original cougar. She married a Japanese man, 12 years her junior. Um, but it also created this foundation of just being different. And I think for a lot of my childhood, I didn't like being different. My name was different. Mia Kamiko. Kamiko is my middle name. Mia Kamiko Togo. And I just wanted something like to fit in mm -hmm. so much. Um, so I think my childhood was really punctuated by my relationship with my animals to really find that space of empathy and compassion where I didn't always feel seen or understood or heard um, by people. Yeah. And it took me time um, to, to really feel that sense of belonging. And so when I got my first horse, I would just remember going out, I guess this was such a big deal for me. I would just go out in the hills by myself for hours. Mm. And it was like a meditation. It was yeah. like going out and just really connecting to what was important. Um, and I feel like that's when I began my sense of what it meant to be spiritual, right. um, to be connected to everything around me. And I know that sounds like sort of a, a big concept, but for a kid, I wouldn't put it in those defined terms. But it was such an important time for me to get a sense of you have a place here in this world and mm. you have a belonging here and it may not be the way that it fits in for other people and you may not know what that is but there was like a voice or an understanding that came at that that moment or that point in my life where it's like part of being different is going to be how you develop who you truly are and ultimately the kind of work that i'm going to step into right yeah that's awesome. <laughs> I mean, like a peek into the future. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's great. Um, how did you develop from growing up in Orange County and your upbringing with your family and being surrounded by these wonderful animals and these creatures of the earth? How did, um, you know, dance and everything start to unfold into your path and into your life? Because I know that was a big part of your life and it still mm -hmm. is to this day. 
Yeah, it is. I, I think the dance part, I started, well, was I like around 10 or 11? And I think what I loved about dance was that sense of freedom and expression, freedom of expression to be who you, who you truly are. There was no confines. And I think really it got me out of my head, you know, like, you know, being a yoga teacher and a yoga practitioner, that point was being, I got into my body and got to express what I was feeling without being so in my head. Mm. And it really, I think, helped me let go of judgment, like being so hard on myself. Um, until, of course, I started dancing professionally later in life. That's a whole other story. But in my, when I was younger, just feeling that sense of freedom and that ability to um, really learn how to listen to my body. And that, that's a gift that I feel so grateful for because now, you know, I, I still dance even after all these years. And it's like for me riding a bike. It just is so natural. It just comes so intuitively. So I think that relationship with the dance, even helped me get more in connection with like where I was hard on myself, where I was dealing with my insecurities and my self-doubt. Just getting a sense of being in my body was mm-hmm. such an important thing. Um, and it helped me develop a sense of who I am, you yeah. know, how I'm going to contribute something back through expression and through art. Um, so yeah, I feel like it developed the artistic creative side of um, the work I still do now, you know. Um, through coaching and teaching and dancing and just making jewelry and just everything that feels so important to be an expressive person. Yeah, it becomes more intuitive than mm-hmm. having to be something that you have to think about and plan out. It's I, I think it's important, you know, for anybody who doesn't know when you're a yoga teacher that you have so many specific rules of alignment and structure that you have to follow and it's yeah. really liberating to do something that um, steps you outside of the box. Exactly. You know, it does. I mean, I do martial arts all the time and it's, it's super liberating to not have to think you have to do it just like this or this and this and this, you know, there's freedom of movement, freedom of creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, not that yoga is not creative. It just, there is definitely a lot of structure. Exactly. And it feels very linear sometimes yeah. at times. And I, I love the that structure, that discipline and the intellectual part. But even as now, as I've developed more as a teacher, I like to bring in the fluidity, not necessarily the dance part, yeah. but the ability to just feel the, the poses rather than think about everything so, uh, so much. Cause I feel like sometimes that is such a distraction in its own mm-hmm. way, you know, overthinking, overanalyzing, not trusting your inner knowing. And yeah. that's a different kind of strength and power that I think that's why my relationship with animals and dance is such a young point in my life helped me begin that relationship of trusting um, what's inside rather than having to, like you said, fit into a box. Mm -hmm. It's like I knew then my life was not going to take the traditional or the conventional route. And being okay with that uh, took time. Yeah. Yeah, it really did. Yeah, Yeah. definitely does. Um, I know besides teaching yoga, and you mentioned it briefly, you do coaching. Is that something that spontaneously happened, or was there someone that led you into that, or is it just something that you always knew you wanted to do? Um, and you carried it out. I think the coaching was definitely a progressive thing throughout my life. I remember like when I was around 16 or 17, I started, I took a psychology class and I just loved it. I just thought, Oh, I need, (laughs) I need this. This this is something because I needed to figure things out that I couldn't really understand. Um, I think intellectually I understood things, but there was something inside of me. It's like, I don't understand why I'm having these, these feelings or the sensations or these thoughts and these very shadowy parts of my personality that no one really explained. Nobody gave me a roadmap as much as my mom and dad, you know, did their best to give me this wonderful childhood. It's still, I was carrying things with me. And I really think it was from, you know, 
other lives or from uh, from the stuff that they hadn't hadn't processed and they hadn't worked through. So I knew somehow it was my responsibility to do that. And so it led me on that path of studying psychology um, and eventually led me to a teacher I worked with for many, many years. And it was really about learning how to, to process and understand and resolve a lot of the pain and the shame and the guilt I'd been carrying, um, which led me to, I'm, I'm not enough, I'm not, I'm not this enough, I'm not that enough. Um, and that kind of work was the kind of work that I felt the sense of liberation. Hmm. And so that led me to the, to the path of coaching down the road because I know what it's like to struggle so much in your body and to struggle with your mind and struggle with those, those feelings of not being enough. And through the work I did, her name was Mona Miller, and she was a really major influence on my life. And before she passed away, she was killed in a car accident about five years ago. Mm. And she had written this book called Invisible Warfare. And it was really the, the thrust of her, of her work was like, we all have our invisible you know, struggles and fights that go on inside of us. And if we don't resolve them so- somehow, we create visible war outside or visible uh, projection and fear and, and uh, intolerance and hate and all of these things. And I really think that that's what we're seeing right now in the world right now, you know, with what's going on, you know, in the, the political world and the climate, oh, yeah. a lot of disowned shadow. So I feel like that's been the thrust of my life throughout my, since I was honestly, since I was 16, it's taken its time, it's taken its course, but everything has led me to this point where I have this privilege of teach, not only teaching yoga, but doing teacher trainings and coaching. And I really feel like I've I'm holding the space for younger people and especially younger women um, to not be shamed in their body, not to be mm-hmm. shamed for who they are. They, it doesn't have to look like anybody else's path. It's like helping them find their own voice and their own direction and really trusting their inner, their inner strength and their inner beauty. Yeah. Um, I think that everything that you're doing with teacher trainings, coaching, teaching regular classes, it all kind of goes hand in hand. It's mm-hmm. like perfectly bled together. Um, let's talk a little bit about the shadow work you were just mentioning Yeah. when you're discussing the coaching and what that's all about and what that means. Yeah, the shadow work, um, the way I connect to it is that there's things we often hold in our psyche and our subconscious, and we don't even know how much they're impacting what we're, what we're putting out there. Um, and so when I was younger, I, I remember having these really strong feelings of rage and anger and upset and feelings of abandonment that I didn't even understand. And my mom and dad would, didn't understand either because I, uh, you know, it seemed like everything was going okay, you know, in my life, but I was carrying something deep inside me. And so what I've learned through the shadow work is oftentimes we logically get things, but the illogical voices, the voices I call them crazy voices, doesn't mean that we're crazy. It just means that we, they're spinning around and if we don't give them worth, how do we understand wholly who we are? So the shadow work is rinsing, rinsing like the anger, the rage, the upset, the, the very normal messy human emotions that we have and letting them have a sense of worth, not projecting them, like, you know, shutting them down. Because mm-hmm. if they get shut down, what happens? And burying them in a dark little hole somewhere that you don't want to hide in your closet. <laughs> exactly. And then we become ashamed. It's like, oh, I have all these yucky thoughts. I have all these mm-hmm. yucky feelings. I'm just going to push them down in the basement. And then shame is like a fungus. It just grows in the dark. Yeah. And it just keeps growing and growing and growing until we act out in ways where like, oh, I didn't see that coming. And then we feel like a piece of then we feel like a piece of shit and then we feel yeah. bad about ourselves and we keep and it becomes a shame cycle and then we can go into self-pity and helpless hopeless and I really feel like so much of 
you know, the emphasis on drugs and depression and anxiety that a lot of people are struggling with is because they're suppressing so many, so much of their feelings and their emotions. And I don't think our culture has done a great job in dealing with feelings and emotions. And I think we're becoming more and more aware of if we don't deal and process our feelings and emotions, doesn't mean they're, they define us, but if we work with them, they help us move forward. It helps us un cover and unlock the old stories so they're not repeating the same story over and over again and we get to choose something different. So if we rinse and process those negative thoughts and feelings, whether it's anger, I actually do anger work. That's what I learned how to do. Um, And so when I get the anger and the upset out, I don't pretend that it's not there and I don't shut down fear. I go, oh, let's go have a conversation. And then a lot of times I write it out. And if if I'm triggered by something or someone, then I can get that out and, and then own it, own where I have it. And so it cuts the tie where I don't need to look at and judge anybody else. I get the yucky stuff out yeah. and then I get to own what is truly mine. And then in that ownership, there is a huge sense of liberation because the shadow feelings have worth. And in my, in my experience or my relationship with what it means to be spiritual, it isn't just having the comfortable, beautiful, um, uplifting feelings. It's also the shadowy, mercury parts of jealousy and envy and upset. But it's just what do you do with it? And I think our kind of history of pushing it down and not contending with it and working with it and using it as a voice to go, huh, what's re- I'm just off balance. It's okay to be off balance. And I always say feelings are like a school of fish. If you let the feelings come up and you work with them, then you can actually shift it and transform it. And the, the feelings like a school of fish will move you forward to where you want to go instead of taking one feeling and spinning it in a cycle and shutting it down. And that makes us emotional. And that's yeah. why emotions get a bad rap because yeah. we just get, we spin and we spin and we spin and to shut down the big emotions. We can go into really ad- addict kind of behavior, which then puts us in the shame cycle <laughs> and takes us down. And then we stuff our feeling and it just becomes a cycle. So I think there's something really beautiful um, and, and important about honoring and owning your feelings and your, your emotions because it's owning all of who you are, mm. not just our thoughts, not just our body, but everything. Yeah, I mean, I think when people stand at the precipice of shoving all those things down inside them and they're breaching a road where <laughs> they feel like they're just going to implode, mm-hmm. you know, that's not a good place to be, that there needs to be a process for... Um, releasing and letting it go. It's funny, I think one of the reasons people feel uh, that they shouldn't talk about or have any of these thoughts or feelings and things like that is definitely society. Like Mm -hmm. you were saying, our culture, everything tells us we need to be a certain way. I watched this interesting video of this martial art teacher that is teaching all these young children in this certain part of the country how, and it's all these young boys, they're like six, seven, eight, nine years old, all these boys, how to really truly be real men. And mm-hmm. the whole thing is not the typical Western American standard. When these kids want to cry, he lets them cry. He lets them do all these things. He's like, men cry. He's like, don't think a man can't cry. He's like, that's society telling you that a man should never cry and all these different things. And, and you think about how women are treated, how they have to be told they need to fit in a specific box and all these emotions and thoughts and feelings need to be stored in this place so you can fit in these molds mm-hmm. um you know i think that it's super important yeah and and, and and especially right now what we're seeing is sort of this 
idea between the masculine and the feminine. And, you know, it's like we're both. We, we have both. And we need the intellect and the masculine part of our being, and we also need the feminine. And I think that's what's changing in the world right now is bringing more of that feminine energy, that it's okay to feel, it's okay to cry. I, you know, as a teacher, I see people who want to come and, um, you know, they'll sweat three buckets of sweat, but God, God damn it, if I have one tear, for God. <laughs> you know, it, it, there's a shamed feeling about it. And it's yeah. like your tears are your it's like it cleanses you from the inside out and yeah. it's something I always tell people on a regular basis I, I I cry not because I'm angry or sad or it's because I'm feeling and I never want to shut down my feelings because my feelings are the conduit between you know into to who I am to to my soul and to my sense of purpose into my sense of empathy and if we don't have if we're not feeling we are not empathetic creatures yeah and we don't have the ability to feel ourselves we become sympathetic we shut down our feelings and it's like I want to take care of you I want to feel for you and then we come we creates this whole codependent bond it's like I want to I, I want to do all the feeling for you I'll feel bad for you but no it's like we have to feel for ourselves so I can feel me while you feel with you, and I don't need to jump in and save you and do your work. I can let you struggle. I can let you fall down. I'll, I'll help you. I'll support you, but I won't do your work for you. And it's such a liberating thing in all our relationships, whether it's with our you know children, or our parents, or our loved ones, that we learn to love. I like this idea of wholeheartedly, to love fully mm. and not try and go and save or... Um, or caretake that idea of I have to take care of you rather than let me love you wholly for who you are the good bad and the ugly but we put so much judgment on it's like oh well that's flawed or it ha we have opinions about it and then we're not looking at the truth and that's part of the work I do is like can you love all of the truths even the ones that you don't think are pretty even the ones within yourself that but it's your truth and if we love all of the truths and we stand in our truth and we have more empathy and compassion for people even if they don't look like us, even if they don't speak our language, even if they have a very different opinion, we can respect them. We may not condone it, we may not support it, but we can still have the issue of respect and empathy. And I think it's the ability, that, that's why feelings are so important, because we have to be able to feel all of ourselves first to be able to do that out in yeah. the world. I think even in, uh, <laughs> you, you relate it even to yoga, you relate some of the things you're talking about to even Pantajali's Eight Sutras. I think the idea of, cleansing or you know sure just detoxing i think not just bathing your body like people always associate with some of pontajali's eight sutras like cleanse like being clean is like bathing i'm like yeah but bathing not just that but bathing your emotions detoxing yourself of negativity mm -hmm. um being reflective and addressing your bad habits and things you want to change letting things come out so that you can see them and yeah you know, being contemplative and really assessing yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it makes me think of, too, when you bring that up, the glaciers, the afflictions. It's like, you know, he's saying that this is the path in which you find, like through Kriya Yoga, but at the same time, you're going to fall down. I would say it's like the banana peel. It's like, make no mistake, you're going to be attached, you're going to avoid, you're going to cling to things the way you, you want them to. It's going to happen, but it's what you do with it. How do you take action to change it? And if we don't take, if we kind of sweep it under the carpet and pretend it's not there, how do we take action and how do we clearly make sh understand ourselves? And that really is that process of whether it's through yoga or meditation or therapy or coaching. I think ultimately underneath it, we all want to be seen and understood and heard and loved. And if we're not going to do it for ourselves, if we're not going to love completely all of ourselves, how can we ever expect anybody else to do it for mm. us? And it, it gets it, it could get a little muddled. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. And if people, like you said, you're going to fall down. People are going to... you're. In general, we're going to make mistakes, you know, yeah. we're going to have flubs, hiccups. I always like the examples, like when you're a baby, 
and you're learning how to walk, how many times did you fall? Did it ever stop you from walking? That's right. You know what I mean? In life, you're going to fall, metaphorically speaking, but it can't stop you from progress, can't stop you from moving forward. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to pick yourself up and keep addressing the issues and keep moving. Yeah. Um, I think that ties in a lot with what you're saying. The next thing I was going to address is yeah. how do you uh, continually stay motivated throughout your life and in your work, and whether it be coaching, teaching yoga, teacher trainings, traveling, um, how do you stay inspired through all of that? I think the way to stay inspired, because especially when I'm doing teacher trainings and working and, and, and have a full schedule, I'm working seven days a week, is to really take self-care. Self-care, it's it's non-negotiable for me is to self-care. It truly is. It's like I, I make sure I have time to do my writing. If I feel triggered at all, because sometimes I do, just two to three minutes of rinsing it out of my body, because I do feel like if we if I don't rinse it out, I'm going to hold on to it in a cellular level. And I'll be emitting that that energy in some way, or shape, or form, and, and and owning. I do a lot of this work, what I call owning. Like my boyfriend triggers the hell out of me sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> or people that are close to me. Yeah. So uh, I have this exercise I do, and it's a really great one. Is whenever someone's irritating me or upsetting me, I know that I'm off center. I catch my off center. I just have more skill. That's what I tell people sometimes when I'm working with them. It's like, it's not that I don't get triggered. I don't get upset. I just can work through it more quickly and own it faster. That's it. There's no like miracle cure. It's not one day I wake up and it's like, oh yeah, everything's perfect in the day. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of beautiful days, but the days are that much more beautiful because I'm willing to really embrace and um, sit in the moments when they're not. You know, to sit in the tapas, to sit in the fire and let things burn away. And so this exercise I do, if I am feeling overwhelmed or upset or triggered, whoever the trigger is, I just write, when I look at you, I see. And when I look at you, I feel. And I let all my crazy, ridiculous voices, now I never, ever, ever give them this letter. It's only for me. Right. And I let everything out. I don't judge it. Because if I judge it, I'm judging myself, and that energy is going to go somewhere. It's going to sit down, and it's going to come out when I least expect it. And once I sit with it, then I turn all the used to eyes in me's, and then I see where it's mine. I own, I own, I own, and then I go through the step of of owning, not just admitting, but really going to understanding. And then I do this process of depersonalization, very important, empathy, have empathy for the other person. And then at the same time, how do I, how can I create a, a prevention? How can I act differently? What, what's a different choice? So that for me is super helpful so that I'm not, um, taking myself down, right? You, you, you know, it's like when you're full, you feel emotionally full. It can just take, it, it takes my energy down. So I rinse it, I rinse it, I process, and it just feels like I call it an emotional, energetic colonic. <laughs> it's like a detox, you know, and I eat pretty you know, I eat pretty good, but at the same time, for me, it's 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 really staying on the inner work. The yeah. inner work is what keeps me grounded and focused and clear. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. <laughs> you know, it's 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 wild how, um, like you said, things will trigger personalities, friends, family, loved ones. Things can yeah. make things come up, and it, it is important to be able to take that time because it, it's like you said earlier, it'll come up at some point. I always I have like this ritual if. Um, especially if I've had uh, something negative come up because I've made the mistake, you know, where something intense will happen 10 minutes before I'm supposed to teach a yoga class. Oh, yeah. Right? And like (laughs) heavy, like, oh, this person just died and you're like, oh my God, now I have to go into this yoga class and I have to try to give and be like of service, of help Mm -hmm. to these people. And I made the mistake of going into classes just 
this dark cloud of energy, yeah. you know, and not being of service and dwelling on what's going on. Or even if it's not something as heavy as somebody passing by, just something where I'm self-absorbed, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I'm worrying about all this silly stuff that has to do with me or letting my consciousness just be filled with these self-centered, you know, anecdotes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now I always make sure that I have five minutes before I ever step into a class, whether it's been a good day or a bad day or whatever, just to stop and say, okay, what's going on here? And this is not about me. I have to be of service to these people right now. And yeah. I got to be the best vessel. And I have to detox and process everything that happened or, yeah. and let it go, which I feel is something similar to what you're saying. And, you know, letting it go so that when I go in there, it's I'm of the right uh, attitude and the right mental state to be of service and to be of help. Yeah. Because if you really are there to serve and help, um, you got to be that person that is even keeled in the midst of good or bad and everything in between and you know mm-hmm. and i think when what also helps too uh, and because you've been doing this a while and you know there's days when we show up to teach <laughs> that ooh, you really do have to take a breath and kind of and take that perspective it's like i'm here to be of service and like you said show up and the more you practice it the easier it is yeah. not to say that it, it depends on how you know what you're what you're right. dealing with and it's funny that you said that because um sunday i was teaching i was doing the teacher training and it's, it was going to be a three-hour class a very intense class literally the moment i was going to turn my phone off there was a picture of my dad in a hospital bed oh. that I, yeah and i was like oh what the fuck really yeah. and i lost my mom five years ago and it was very difficult and tragic and my dad just got over you know dealing with some other stuff and he for the most part he's really healthy so all of a sudden I was just like flooded with emotion. I was like, okay, I take a deep breath. And I at least, I, I, it's like, everyone just talk about yourselves. I have to make this phone call. I have to see what's going on. So I got on the phone and and they were doing tests. And so my dad was stable. He was, he was okay. But it wasn't, I, I knew intellectually and in that moment he was okay. But the little girl inside me was just flooded with fear and sadness. It was like, and I was like into time travel. And right. I was just, I was like flooded with all of these feelings. And all I could do was say to everyone that I've been working with for the last seven weeks, it's like, I'm here, I'm going to teach this class, I want you to know what's going on, just so my heart is is tender right now. And then I think what they really appreciate, and as much as I, I can, I do this, and even when I teach all my classes, is to be vulnerable, is to show that, to me, vulnerability is a cur- it's, it's, it's courageous. And there was just, it let go of all this pressure of like, I have to be a certain way other than I am completely here as much as I can. My heart is tender and I love being here with you and just know that, you know, I just, once I revealed that it, it just took all the, like you said, the dark cloud was gone. Yeah. The pressure was, the pressure alleviated. was released. Yeah. And it ended yeah. up being this amazing class. It was beautiful. And my dad's okay. And, yeah. <laughs> but I was in, it was just like this trigger, this time oh, travel. Oh gosh, that would trigger anybody. <laughs> yeah. <Like, "Whoa." laughs> yeah. 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 But I think for me, it was just being able to share my, my honesty, my, my heart and my soul and my feelings. And I'm a human. It's like my yeah. yoga teacher. I'm here to do the best I can, but I'm, I'm a human with a very feeling, very sad about my dad being in this position. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's, <laughs> that's like the, those, one of those intense scenarios. Um, and you know, it, it's one of those things where you, it's hard. It's a very challenging, not only to teach classes and to guide things and stay positive in the midst of those challenges, but even in daily life, because it's not just in those moments where you're supposed to stand up in front of people, but in your interactions with one-on-one with a friend or a loved one or mm-hmm. your family or your coworkers and things like that, to be um, continually, you know, uh, positive and alleviating some of that pressure. And mm-hmm. if you're like, you're saying, if you can't be 
oh, always positive, just being able yeah. to let people know this is what's going on and being able to address that, which actually is leading to my next question is yeah. how do you stay positive <laughs> continually or try to stay in that place, in that uh-huh. space? Yeah. Because it's very hard, um, especially yeah. in our modern age, people struggle with it. It's become this, <laughs> it's become so hard that the majority of Americans are always taking antidepressants and all right. these different things to try to stay in a place of being positive and, you know, chipper mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. So um, maybe you can shed some light on some tools. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, it, it's funny because most of my life people have said that to me that I'm I'm a positive person or I'm, you know, uplifting or outgoing. It, and I think that's that is my natural tendency. I do tend to be an optimistic person, but I'm also realistic. I'm not a Pollyanna. It's like I don't put my my head's not in the clouds. Uh, and I think it's honestly because I've been doing this work uh, since I was 16. And I think it's because I don't reject my negativity. I, I honor it. I really do honor when I'm feeling negative and shadowy and bitchy. I always have a joke. I was like, I have the side of me. I call her my ghetto bitch. And <laughs> if I'm walking down a dark alley, I don't do that too much these days, but let's say I am. Yeah. I want my ghetto bitch out and she's yeah. badass. I'm like, I don't disown that ghetto bitch side of myself. Yeah. Now, do I want her making decisions about my, my intimate life and some things that are more tender? No, I don't. But I honor that I have these different facets of who I am and to be optimistic and to be positive means that I don't shut down the parts of me that is a warrior and that's an animal and that is ferocious and fierce. I love that part of me. I have a side of me that is super badass, hardcore. I was a martial artist too. And, and I love that part, but I also understand that it's not the time and place for all of that. And then when I have the negative, you know, I think, that's part of the problem in our society. That's why we're so over-medicated with drugs for anxiety and depression, because I say I've never been depressed. Now, what I mean by that, I've had every symptom of what depression is. Right. I don't label that. I don't say being sad or hurt. I've been in so much emotional pain that it feels excruciating, but I'll choose every single time to be with it and to sit in it and to process it and not let it take me down and know that it is so important to be able to go through that sense of tapas or that fire to get to the other side. Um, and I think because we live in a culture where we can get things so easily, we want to feel good quickly. So we're a very addictive culture. And I always say addict energy. We all have one, addict energy. I don't mean addictive addiction, but that addict energy, I just want to feel good. I want to go to the high, means that you're not willing to feel the low. You're not, and sometimes we have to, to sit in that low. If you're dealing with, you know, you know, like you're sitting in my living room and I've had to put you know, some of my, my animals to sleep in my living room in my arms or taking my mom off feeding tubes when she mm. was in a coma. I had to sit in that and that was fucking painful. Hell yeah. And there was no, <laughs> there's no short cut through it. And you can take something to numb the pain, but when you numb the pain, you also numb the extreme joy and the extreme connection. Mm. And so I think speaking to being positive means that you don't call the, what we call the negative emotions bad. And we call negative emotions bad, we put a judgment on it. And we don't welcome it. And that's part of, that's to me, that's where some of the deepest work and the deepest growth uh, and the deepest sense of freedom and liberation happen. Yeah. And it's part of life. Uh, people only want to have their life be a positive, happy, wonderful, chipper life. But part of life is feeling the highs and the lows and everything in between. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's part of it. And if it's part of it, we have to experience it. And if we experience it, we got to sit with it. Exactly. You know? Uh, it's really easy. I think it's really easy to drown anything out. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to, um, but the definite harder road and the more challenging road, but the most rewarding road 
is the one where you process and you sit with it. Just like everything in life, everything in life that is usually good for you or um, gonna bear some kind of fruit is a challenge. It is. People ask me all the time, Tamal, how do I get really good at inversions? I'm like, well, you gotta do inversions (laughs) all the time. But it's so hard and my wrist gets sore and this, I'm like, if you wanna do it, you gotta do it. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, we had a really great inversionist on the podcast before and he said, the secret to handstands is do handstands. He's like, you first have to find balance before form. Mm. He's like, because if you never do handstands, you're not going to find the form automatically perfectly every mm-hmm. time. He's like, but you start to find balance, then you start to correct the form, which I thought was actually really true <laughs> if you really experience it. Yeah. Your first handstand is never going to be like the handstand you do today or the next day or after that, but you know. It's so progr- and it's progressive. It, it's so funny you say that. There was a young woman in my class maybe a couple weeks ago, and you know, it was because I teach a lot of preparing the body, whatever that the peak is, there's usually a lot of setup and preparation. So your body always say can receive it, can receive the pose. And she's like, okay, are you doing a handstand inversion? I just want to learn handstands, handstands. So say, how do I, it was just like handstand mania. And I said, first, you got to learn to stand on your own two feet. Yeah. Uh, truly. And he said, you're going to do yoga. First stand on your own two feet. And then we'll, we'll build the component, I call the actions that will support you in a handstand. And then you get to your hand. But I said, you're not ready. Yeah. And it takes time and it's a process. And a lot of times I could just tell that she's like, oh, <laughs> but that's the truth. And I always say, you know, that's the work we do is like the truth. we got to love all the truths. And the truth isn't always what we want to hear, but it's the very thing that does set us free. And if we love what that truth is, then it is such a, the path that, you know, that liberating path. Um, and it, it, it steps like, you know, it's steps. There's no quick fix. And I think that sometimes wanting the happiness or the joy or the um, feel-good emotions all the time, we're not willing to step through some of the muckier waters. And, you know, it's like you got to get into the swamp sometimes, and that's yeah. where some of the deep work happens. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. the, <laughs> it, I think about, you know, somebody asked you if they can, how do I do handstands, how to do this? There is so much attribute development that needs to take place in order <laughs> to do things. I, you see a lot when people are standing, for yeah. one, and then you see a lot when people do a plank, Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. You're like, okay, you cannot go to the wall yet. Don't <laughs> even go to the ready. wall because there's also attribute development. But in life, in order to become a well-adjusted gift to society, there's all this attribute development. And a lot of that is just the journey of life itself and Definitely. processing everything and going through everything. It's funny. Um, my dad was living in an ashram, and this guy came into the ashram and stayed with everybody. And then he went up to the teacher of the ashram, and he goes, why is everyone in this ashram so fucked up? <laughs> and the teacher said to him, that's like going into a hospital and saying, why is everybody sick? <laughs> I love it. He's like, when you go to ashram, it doesn't mean everyone is perfect. He goes, they're all here because they know they're not perfect and they need help. That's right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I think that ties into all of that. Um, I love that idea too. It's like that perfectionism shows up in so many different areas of life. I want to just detour just a little bit um, into discussing, one, how do you keep a balanced life and how do you stay healthy while you are working, while you're traveling, while you're taking care of your friends, family, loved ones, your two beautiful pit bulls that are sleeping here on the couch next to you. (laughs) In the midst of just life, what are some of your um, do's that you make sure you have in your life to staying healthy and vibrant and you look beautiful and amazing as always and vibrant and young (laughs) she does always um so 
share some of your secrets? You know, the first thing that came to my mind, like kind of threading back to when you asked me at the very beginning about my childhood, you know, my mom was 12 years older than my dad. And till the day she died, I did not know her exact age because there was a shame about it. And there was a shame about being older and maybe being, a, I don't know, she was a divorcee with two kids when she married my dad. And because she never dealt with that shame, I just felt like it was so toxic to just mm. to her. And I was like, I always vowed, I'm like, I'm never going to have shame about my age. And so I'm going to be 51 in... Um, Amazing. <laughs> I'm be 51 in December. And I, I say it not because I want people to go, oh, you know, a lot of times people think I'm so much younger than my age. I say it because I'm pr- I, I Because she looks it. like she's like in her, thir- in her early 30s. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. I'll she take does. it. <laughs> but I really attribute that to not holding it's to me it goes back to the emotional stuff not having being able to say wholeheartedly who I am to not shut parts of myself off because I don't think someone's going to think it's acceptable or they're not going to like me fuck that I mean that's one thing I said it took me 20 I put on a mask for about 25 years and I took the other 25 years to get the mask off and I really expose myself fully even when I go to teach yoga or when I work with my my coaching clients it's like full transparency not like I'm dumping on anybody but I have no shame of who I am. Mm-hmm. And to me, that is what is so toxic to our, our bodies and our being and our psyche and our, and our, our overall um, health, to be quite honest. Yeah. And so in that, it's just also loving the things that I do. Like I'm at a point in my life where I really love the work that I do. I make sure that I have time to, of course I exercise, I do my yoga practice, I do my meditation. Um, and I also do my journaling. I think journaling is super important for me cause I'm a creative person mm. and make sure that I have plenty of time to dance. I gotta dance. <laughs> I have to express myself. Um, and I think also really speaking up and speaking my truth, speaking my truth, even if that isn't always popular or even, and something I've always felt really power, uh, uh, adamant about speaking up for people who can't or animals. I guess that's why I've always loved pit bulls yeah. that don't have a voice. Um, and they have such an unnecessary bad rap. It's oh, ridiculous. It's crazy. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. So crazy. I know they're just incredible creatures. Her big bad pit bulls are sleeping like babies <laughs> on her couch right now and they look adorable. And <laughs> I know. They're such little love bugs. They really are. And they're both, one was found in a um, dumpster downtown mm. and one was found underneath the house. Um, and I just think the thing that breaks my heart the most in life is not only animals, but people that aren't heard or seen mm. or are, are not feeling their worth in life. And so that's why I love the work I do because everybody deserves that. Everybody. And it doesn't matter like how much money you make or what, what job you have. It, it just is such an illusion. And that sense of, of, of power um, has, doesn't have an impact on me. It truly doesn't. The power comes from within. And when you have that power from within, I think there's, n- there's just nothing more liberating and um, life-enhancing than owning your personal power. And, it, you know, it takes, like we were talking about, it takes time to get there through all the trials and tribulations and the breakdowns and the breakthroughs. But I really feel I'm at this point in my life where uh, owning my power and not shying away from it and not going, oh, no, 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 no. And just really stepping into it actually helps other people um, have a space to feel validated, step into their power and not shut themselves down. Mm-hmm. And that's why a lot of times I say my age. Yeah. Because I don't want st- to, I don't think we should hide behind, oh, I don't want anybody to know that about me because that's just denying our true worth and who we are. I believe in that. I think be empowered, 
to empower mm-hmm. you know it really does it means something if if you don't step up to the plate yourself how do you expect to help other people step up to the plate you know yeah and i think that's really really key um is there anything specific you'd like to share before we click off because we're running out of time oh is it been a day yeah this is so awesome i love it we talk for hours i know we could just keep going i know we've been with people where you just go and go and go like oh my god we gotta cut this off (laughs) um i i just think we're in a really important time right now you know a lot of people think that this is a frightening time or scary time because things are being rattled and shaken and 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 pulled up to the surface. But I think this is an exciting time because I think there's a real paradigm shift happening. And I think it's a time where we're all being asked to step up more, to really mature and to ripen and to be in our personal power. And because like we said, when you were in our power, that we help uplift other people. Uh, And that we start coming together and uniting more. And um, I think the inner work that I encourage, you know, my students or the people I work with to do is really how we're going to change the outer world. If we take responsibility and own our stuff, it's, we make such, I think that is such a great way to be of service, you know, to, to serve something greater, we have to be able to, to, to know our wholeness. And when we know our wholeness, then we can go out in the world and know the things that break us down because oftentimes those are things that are what we want to be of service for. Know the things we struggle with. I think the greatest thing is know what you struggle with most in life and really heal it. Heal it from the inside out. Understand it from every angle and then flip that struggle and oftentimes that is your purpose in life. Mm. The thing that you struggle with the most is often your greatest gift. So don't shy away from it. Understand it, heal it, love it, own it, get to the other side and there's your purpose. Yeah. It's, you know, like you were saying too, the world, everyone thinks is such a scary time, but when you actually start to, you know, shy away from the ideas of being meek and hiding everything and bearing it all down, you know, whether things turn in this world for a positive or a negative, being empowered and being strong is going to be helpful in every situation. Mm-hmm. You know, it will never be a negative. Um, and it's really important, I think, for you know, conversations for like we're having right now for people to have themselves with uh, family, friends, loved ones, but also just on their own having conversations of letting things out and letting things develop. And having those deeper, you know, like when I grew up, it's like, don't talk about politics or religion. I'm like, why the hell not? <laughs> it doesn't matter if it, if it charges you. Yeah, yeah, it charges you. But let's be able to have those conversations, hold our center, and have a, a, the ability to respect other people's um, opinions and expressions as well. And I think it's that time, it's time that we are able to have those meaningful, deep, somewhat challenging, even confronting conversations, yeah. but hold our center. The most uh, beautiful conversations are the ones that are usually the most challenging, where you bring up stuff that makes everyone uncomfortable. <laughs> For sure, I love <laughs> that. Let's talk about let's talk about politics. Let's talk yeah. about death. Let's talk about exactly. right all the things where people are like, "What, dude? Let's you're getting heavy. I'm just trying to have my ice cream and watch. How's the you know, weather? Survivor. Uh, it's gonna Come rain on. tomorrow. Exactly. <laughs> no, those days. Mm. Yeah, it's time to it's time to get uncomfortable to be comfortable. I love it exactly. Yeah. I'm right there. So how can people connect with you? Can you share some of your social media website and things like that so people oh, can reach out to this you? This is definitely not my strong point. So thank <laughs> you for asking that. Um, I have a website, miatogo.com. So you can go visit my website if you ever want to contact me and read more about what I do. I'm also on Instagram under my name, Mia Togo, like Mia to go. <laughs> I used to say that when I was a kid and I hated it, but now I, I love it. I'm going to own it. Mia, Mia to go. go. I'll have a Mia to go. <laughs> so I have a, 
but on Instagram, I also have Mia Togo um, yoga page, and then I have a personal page as well. It's different, and I'm on Twitter under Mia Togo. Uh, I think that's it. All the social media channels. That's awesome. Well, like always, Mia, it's always a pleasure and a joy to hang out with you. And I'm sure our listeners got a lot out of this. Um, until next time, uh, everybody who's listening, tune in for Mia Togo. Tune in for all the upcoming ones that are going to take place soon. And um, we'll see you on the other side. Thank you. Sounds amazing. Thank you, Tamal. It was so much fun chatting <laughs> in my living room with my, my doggies. <laughs> with you. <laughs> the two beautiful pit bulls. Yay. All right, guys. Bye-bye. Bye.